Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. This is the London is Blue podcast. All things Chelsea. Keeping you up to date on the latest news from Stamford Bridge. Match recaps, previews, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com. It's the London is Blue podcast. Here's your hosts, Brandon, Dan, and Nick. Oh, yes, that's right, Chelsea fans. We are not running away from this one, but instead, we're here to tackle everything post-Crystal Palace fallout. So don't worry about that. Make sure to tweet us, though, Facebook, Instagram, email us this week. We want to keep this discussion going because by no means is 24 hours enough to get over what just happened. So with that being said, joining me as always are Dan, Nick, gentlemen, no need to ask how you're doing because I already know you're doing terrible. So instead, how about this tweet <laughs> from friend of the pod, Marv, ask saying, just a shame it's too late for our title defense. Hopefully still a chance to win a cup, though. Dan, is that where you're at? That is easy. Uh, I had the reins of the Twitter account this weekend. Uh, the powder, the powder keg took it off. And uh, I think darkest timeline was the way I referred to this weekend quite frequently. And uh, Nick, I, I definitely feel like it's uh, it's getting closer to that. This uh, this might have been the worst sports week of my entire life. So I'm I'm gonna throw it out there to the gods that next week. Uh, both old gods and new. Uh, next week should be better um, than than whatever this catastrophe was. So, Brandon, if we can get some "Hello Darkness, My Old Friend" uh, you know, overlaid on this section, that'd be great. But 
Um, between the U.S. men's national team losing, uh, my Huskers just getting blown out again, and, uh, you know, Chelsea just not being able to beat a woeful Crystal Palace squad, um, you know, at the end of the rope there. It's, uh, it's been pretty bad. Well, obviously, I, I'm so sorry to hear that. And, of course, we can get that audio played over it. But, you know, we needed to brighten this up a little bit. So we uh, we reached out to our, our friend network, and we got Jeff Borzello, you know, the recruiting insider for ESPN's college basketball coverage and big-time Chelsea fan. Welcome back to the pod, Jeff. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't know how much I'm going to brighten it up. Since Nick mentioned <laughs> this to me like a month ago, the Chelsea lost to City, U.S. didn't qualify for World Cup, and then Chelsea lost to Crystal Palace. So I just feel like the the thought of me doing this podcast has just brought a lot of bad luck to, to everyone in America's favorite teams. Well, I mean, am I the bad luck for asking? Like, I don't know. I, I mean, like, I, here's the thing. like, It could be me. It could be a me problem. Well, if that's the case, then Bruce Arena can come after you. Uh, let's oh. see. The national team <laughs> players can come after you because I think that they are shouldering a lot of the responsibility, Nick, and that's not fair. Uh-huh. Yeah. We can talk about that in our other podcast, How the Fuck We're Not in the World Cup. Episode uh, one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All okay. right. All well, right. you know, go ahead and plug. Uh, everyone go follow Jeff, uh, basketball and soccer fans alike, on Twitter at Jeff Borzello, right? Yep, perfect. Awesome. And obviously, what a fun time it is to be a college basketball fan as it gets close to ramping up. But real quick, Dan, we do have some five-star reviews from the iTunes store. Hit them up. Yeah, up to 180 iTunes reviews in the U.S. iTunes store. Two more this past week, one from Johnny Matuk and then Pushways. Uh, two excellent five-star reviews. Really appreciate it, as always. You'll get a nice little shout-out at the beginning of the podcast every time you throw down a five-star on iTunes. So just uh, let us know what store to look for, man. Same thing goes for Patreon. A big shout-out to Mark and John for the recent donations. And remember, John, I'm talking to you here. Let us know which of us you'd like to handwrite you a thank-you card and mail it your way. That's right, listeners. Give us a donation. We'll handwrite you a letter for five if bucks you, a month. If you can if you can read my handwriting, good luck. Um not to say I don't want to write one. I do, because I thought my first one was, was pretty funny. But uh, handwriting leaves something to be desired. Uh, maybe Dan's a calligrapher. Who knows? Oh, uh, well, Nick, Nick clearly should have been a doctor. That's all we know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if only my brain wasn't mush, too. Well, let's go ahead and uh, dive right in, because obviously, guys, with World Soccer Shop being our presenting sponsor, what is it that they do best, Nick? Brandon, they sell... Uh, Chelsea-related uh, themed merchandise, Dan. And right now, they have some new stuff, um, including a whole range of third kit and and uh, training kit uh, items, don't they? Yeah, you know, it definitely has that nice little teal blue accent, which is pretty cool. And, you know, I mean, you got the Bakayoko song. Why not pair it up with a Bakayoko jersey? And you can get them right now from WorldSoccerShop.com. Two Indeed, things. And they also. Oh, go, go ahead, Brandon. Sorry. I was <laughs> say two things. Uh, I'm waiting to see the first Bacante jersey because, I mean, that's oh, a thing. And it's going to happen. And then two, uh, Reed. Uh, sorry, we're still working on the Champions League patches, but I promise we're working on it. Yep. So go to worldsoccershop.com, uh, buy a bunch of stuff, support our show, and uh, yeah. Let's get into it. All right. Well, here we go. Crystal Palace was the last match for Chelsea. It was in the Premier League at Selhurst Park. It was this past Saturday, October October 14th. 
Whew. Blues one, Eagles two. We got a tweet from at Q underscore SB Fleet saying, I'm not going to sit here and act like our squad couldn't have came away with at least a draw, Nick. I mean, is that how you were feeling at the end of that miserable mid-afternoon in England? Yikes, man. Uh, we'll get we'll get into it. But yeah, at, at the very least, it should have been a draw. Um, you know, even with the injuries that we had, there's no reason we shouldn't have gone in there and cleaned house, you know, three, four nil. Uh, I think it was just a ridiculous performance and uh, very, very just poor effort overall. Um, hey, Jeff, you know, shooting over to you, same kind of idea. I mean, it, Chelsea had a lot of chances. We weren't very clinical, though. Uh, but did you feel like a draw was at least reasonable the way the game played out? Yeah, I mean, like Nick said, so like, you know, we had all these injuries. We played terribly in the first half, yet a draw still would have been, I mean, Chelsea winning would have been a reasonable result, uh, given how the second half went uh, up until, you know, the final 20 minutes or so. Crystal Palace didn't do anything in the second half. So, you know, a second goal would have been reasonable. A third goal would have been reasonable. But in the final third, Chelsea were just just very poor. Fabregas was sort of the only person that looked, you know, remotely dangerous, uh, you know, going forward. Um, but despite all that, a, a draw or a win would have been, um, you know, a fair result. All right. Well, Dan, uh, lineup time, as these gentlemen just alluded, lots of injuries, lots of shuffling of players. Um, we are back to the 3-4-3 three, three again. Yeah, Hamstring FC decided to field the lineup uh, starting up top <laughs> with Eden Hazard, Michi, Willian, Marcus Lonzo, Bakayoko, Fabregas, Moses, but only for a brief cameo. Cahill, Luis Aspilicueta, Christensen makes his way back to the bench. And then Thibaut Courtois in between the sticks. Uh, will they see Rudiger, Christensen, Zabacosta, Kyle Scott? Charlie Misanda and Pedro fill out the rest of the lineup. So uh, definitely missing, you know, Conte, who got injured during international break. International breaks, terrible business. And then Murata, who is still nursing uh, his niggling injury and uh, hopefully back very, very soon, especially after this performance. Yeah, obviously a little troubling to look at the bench and realize we have no other forwards out there, uh, you know, for us to select from. Even like at the worst last season, we had Dom Solanke to call on. Like we don't even have that this season because everyone has been sold or loaned, unfortunately. Uh, when you look at some of the overlying stats, is pretty even across the board. Um, you know, you can easily give the edge to Chelsea, but both teams had five shots on goal. Chelsea had 15 total to Crystal Palace's 14. The, you know, the way we look at it, and we just have to dig it in, is is the goals section. So, uh, unfortunately, 11th minute, um, we break Crystal Palace's curse, Dan. I mean, give it to us, to And a lot of people are saying this on Twitter, like, they're finally going to get their goal. Like, we just know Chelsea are going to blow it. And it was not that Chelsea blew it. It was just the most, like, sloppy, ridiculous own goal. Like, it wasn't even a good play. Yeah, Johan goodbye with a little slice action that you know would be good on an infomercial, and uh, just so happens that it takes a nice little neat deflection off uh, Cesar Aspilicueta for what ends up going down as an own goal, which is uh, terrible for Chelsea fans, terrible for FPL owners of Aspilicueta for the uh, negative points that you get in that scenario. So not pleasant at all. 
Yeah, this was uh, the beginning of just a really, really bad performance by our back line. Um, I don't know what it is about Wilfred Zaha, um, but he gives us fits. Um, actually, a guy that I identified that would have been a pretty cheap buy in the summer. Um, and, you know, clearly um, didn't happen that way. But, uh, yeah, just uh, there was there was sloppy marking all over the place. They uh, they were able to pull David Louise out of the center, uh, kind of left Dave with a, a really weird challenge to make. And start of a, a really poor day for him which again those are very rare moments but yeah he uh he suffered today for sure well you know 18th minute it didn't take long for us to reinstill all hope uh jeff bakayoko getting up tall i mean granted no one was around him but still he did well to head it down and got his first goal for chelsea yeah the crazy part was palace had i think six six guys in the box marking three for chelsea and you know, the ball was played in. Bakayoko was sort of the only one that went in the air for it. Unmarked header. Um, you know, it didn't even look like that dangerous of a, of a cross, but it was it was perfect. Tied it up. His first goal uh, sort of opened his Chelsea account uh, off a corner. And, Brandon, that's his first Premier League goal. Well, he has the Champions League. Yep, sorry. Yeah. No, 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 you're right. Because, obviously, he, he did also share that uh, he will now dye his hair blue because he was waiting for scoring that first goal. Wow. So excited. Can't wait. <laughs> uh, but you're right. I do remember the Champions League goal where the defenders literally cleared it off themselves. It fell to him and he buried it away. Uh, he buried it off somebody. That's off right. Someone back in. Yeah. First clean goal for Chelsea, we can even say. There it is. <laughs> uh, and then, unfortunately, 45th minute, Shambolic defending. Let Zaha absolutely split Zapacasta, Aspilicueta. That's going to be a hard double name to go through all season. Zapacasta to Aspilicueta. We're going to have to practice that. But the problem was, Luis had been pulled up. No one was in behind to cover for Dave, and so Cahill was left scrambling to get across the box, Dan. Uh, but at the end of the day, Zaha could just pass it into the far post uh, very calmly and pretty nonchalantly. Yeah, when Nick talked about Zaha giving us fits, I think it was the one name on the team sheet for Palace uh, outside of Ruben Loftus-Cheek, which would be uh, eligible to play that probably brought me the most fear and uh, it seems like he also brought the defense fear as, as well because he just had a lot of license to run run fast to counter quickly and definitely showed that he is uh, of a caliber much much better than that of the team that he is currently playing for yeah i mean jeff this guy has so much like just athleticism and speed and all he did was just push the ball between two defenders and run past them yeah, I mean, the the two things I noticed sort of leading up to that was that Chelsea were giving the ball away way too easily, uh, dribbling the ball in their own half, and the defense was getting stretched. And that happened on – both things happened on that goal. William gave it away way too easily. And then, you know, like you said, Luis was out of position. Cahill had to come over um, and try to help, and he was too late. So, you know, both things that really haunted Chelsea throughout the first 45 minutes just combined, and, and Zaha was just – you know, he was great for, for the, probably the first 70, 80 minutes of the game. Uh, and he just ran right through the defense. Man, that was tough. Tough to watch, obviously. But, you know, let's go ahead and, and do the deep dive into the actual match. Uh, the first one I just want to talk about is a lot of people have been talking about the team's mentality from this match, obviously. So, Nivarp on Facebook. I know that's not your actual name, but... <laughs> he asked, why were Chelsea playing like we were winning with a huge margin? 
He wants to know, should we blame the players or the manager, Nick? I mean, this is kind of tough because I do think, and I and I, I said as much on Twitter before the match on my personal account, it just felt like a trap game to me. Um you know that I think there are, there are certain matches in the Premier League that you're just expected to win. You know, against your bottom three opponents, you're expected to beat those teams every single time. And coming off an international break, so sandwiched between one and or two matches for a lot of our senior players, and in between a Roma match in the Champions League that has huge implications for the group, you could tell Chelsea just weren't there. Uh, mentally, you know, I think there was a sense, you know, with all the pregame hype videos too that the club was putting out that this would be a cakewalk, and I just don't know how many times that teams like just overestimate or underestimate their opponents in the Premier League, and it comes back to bite them. It just is so stupid. Um, even if Crystal Palace is is hot garbage, you know, they're eventually going to play well enough ish. Um, and it just seemed like the team was out for a stroll. Um, thought it was going to be easy. Uh, when they couldn't find that that second second equalizer, you could tell that there started to be some panic. And man, I, I don't really know what else to say. I mean, I think it's it's a failure on on you know probably like a seventy five twenty five split between the players and the managers. But that's just me, Jeff. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's. I think a lot of it, it was, you know, maybe fatigue from the international break, but, you know, they, they had their chances. And I think that when they got down early, there was a pretty good response um, to, to tie it up. But the second half, I think they got frustrated. They missed a couple of chances early in the second half when it looked like they would they would draw level 2-2. And then it just it became desperation. But And I think a lot of people are saying mentality because William looked bad, his attitude looked bad. Uh, Bashuai, when he came off, looked upset. So I think that sort of plays a part into the narrative that mentality played a part in it. But I think more of it was the fact that, you know, just so many guys had a bad game at the same time. And when that happens, it doesn't matter how where your mentality is, you're not going to win games. Well, you totally hijacked my third point already. So I'm going to pause on that. But, Dan... Oh, I didn't see that. No, no, I'm totally <laughs> kidding. You're fine. Because <laughs> what what I'm saying is is... is when it comes to mentality, right, all we've been hearing it, you know, the weeks leading up to this is on TalkSport, on ESPN FC, on BBC Five Live, everyone is saying Crystal Palace aren't going to have any points after like 10 matches because they play United, Chelsea, you know, all these teams. And so that's what everyone's hearing. So I think sometimes you go into it saying we've already won this before we step on the field. And like you said, looking ahead to maybe Roma. And so Dan, for me, I think that while a lot of times players are good about focusing and being professionals and not taking it for granted, it almost just kind of seemed like they took it for granted. But, you know, Jeff and and some other people pointed on Twitter that we still had a lot of chances. So I don't know. I guess I'm starting to become split on this. Where do you stand? Well, even though we had uh, some shots on target, I think the, the expected goal for Chelsea was still below one. So, I mean, we, we had shots. They weren't a lot of great shots. Uh, you know, I think when you think of looking at some of the stats, when you say one of these teams had 37 clearances, one of these teams had six offsides at the beginning of the match, I think you would think, oh, that well, Crystal Palace had a really bad day. No, that was that was Chelsea. They had a really, really bad day. And I think the, the point that Jeff made about the collective bad day at of the office is probably the best 
overarching theme. You know, we ran one man in the match poll at the end that we'll get to a little later, but there wasn't really a lot of standout or stellar moments from a lot of players. Some who do have a little bit of an excuse from a international break where like Zappacasa who played both of the games that, you know, Italy had this past week, uh, others who had the time off. So don't have maybe necessarily the same level of excuse, but I, I think to go from having uh, N'Golo Conte and Morata, you know, both depart in quick succession due to uh, in, you know, hamstring injuries has been uh, quite eye-opening as we think about just how poor kind of the depth piece is. And like, I get the whole, we want to see Charlie Musanda have a great time, but man, like when you think about that as your third or fourth choice option, when it's just a team competing to be the top of the Premier League and, you know, to vie for the Champions League, like that's not good enough of an option as much as I would love to see youth players get opportunities. Uh, That's an unfortunate uh, reality that Chelsea have right now. Okay. Well, then let's talk about it. So let's skip down to, to, you know, the third topic in the script and just say too many players had a bad game on the same day. And this is something that I is I was kind of, I spent a lot of time in the car this weekend, so I was just kind of trying to deliberate over the game. And I was thinking about the fact that these guys obviously are professionals, you know, and they play at a high level. But every now and then, we know that guys will have an off day. They'll play below their standard. And unfortunately, I think that yesterday, on Saturday, while maybe you can get away with one or two players having an off day, Chelsea had closer to what, maybe five or six guys that were off their game and and I think that that was a huge anomaly and it was a bit of a one-off but to me like Nick that kind of makes it the perfect storm that was the match yesterday yeah I mean uh you you talk about Willian who I have no idea how he keeps getting starts with how bad he's played as of late um you know Mishi not not taking any any chance in this match to solidify his position on the squad. Um, you know, I think you you look at any of our, our frontline players, Pedro played okay, I suppose. Um, our whole defensive backline played one of their worst collective games since we went to a back three. And our wingers were pretty ineffective. Um, you know, Alonso played okay. Um, the, you know, Moses... Um, injury really hurt us, and then Zappacosta didn't do a a ton. But I mean, it was just the, for the level that we've come to expect, Dan. Like, I I just don't, I don't, I didn't see any sort of uh, resilience yesterday. It didn't, it didn't feel to me kind of like the this team of last year. And I think that's why we had so many broken-hearted Twitter messages. To be honest with you, I think I think there was maybe a little crack in the armor. I think when you look back at the past couple of weeks and you see you know, a very hard fought but unfortunate loss to City, a incredible match against Atletico Madrid, and then you see this performance, I think the the roller coaster is what's causing issues with you know fans and supporters right now. Is that you know while it'd be great to have every game be an Atletico Madrid, I, I don't think that's going to be the case. But to have games where we're losing uh, to a Burnley, to a Crystal Palace, uh, doesn't map with the quality of players. 
and and frankly, all credit to Crystal Palace because they were up for this match. The way Zaha, Townsend, uh, even Kabai, who's had a little bit of a rough place, uh, Sako and Don from the defense, uh, even Joel Ward, they they prevented a couple of opportunities. Uh, Some of our best ones of the day were really snuffed out in quick succession. So I I think, yes, it's it's player mentality. It's lack of of depth to to compensate appropriately and, and have a like replacement when there is injury. Uh, it, yeah, perfect. Perfect storm is a really great way to describe it, Brandon. Is that that is what Chelsea has been hit with right now? You know, but again, I still think that while there was a bit of a perfect storm, like the mentality piece, it still just it really bothers me that there wasn't maybe more fight and there wasn't more grip. But you know, well, there's one thing I I mean I hate to interrupt you, but there's no to me I mean there's nobody out there that made me think that Chelsea were going to get a get a goal against the run of play I mean in the past you've had Costa would just go you know throw some guy to the side go and score himself you know John Terry on a header Drogba Lampard somebody like that I don't know if there's anybody like that on this team that that is just going to go say hey we're going to get a goal we're going to tie this up we're going to go win whatever you know I don't know if there's anyone that that has that sort of fight in them to go get a goal when things are down and and you know sort of lift everybody up by themselves and i mean we've seen hazard do it in the past but uh, he didn't seem to be you know relevant this game uh there just doesn't seem to be that kind of guy that's going to go out there and get a goal on his own um you know make something out of nothing basically well then that's a great segue into the next problem which a lot of people on twitter have identified as chelsea don't have enough depth in the team and maybe it's we don't have another uh what do you want to call it like dynamic player like someone who can make something out of nothing if his art isn't on and and so we got um i don't even want to we got a tweet from at creamy underscore rain i don't know where he's going with that but they says that (laughs) this game has got nothing to do with squad depth the lads didn't turn up for the game with what we had enough quality have won the game but the problem is everyone else seemed to say that it was a depth issue. So ironically, we have the most depth in center back, but we can't seem to find the right combination. So, uh, I mean, Jeff, what do you think about the the center back pairings, especially when the fact that Christensen and Rudiger have looked really solid in the minutes they play? Do you think Conte knows who his best back three is yet? I don't think he does. I think everyone else does. Um, you know, I think that you know, everyone that's watched Christensen could say he's one of the three best, and Rudiger probably. I mean, if you want to play Louise ahead of Rudiger, I get it. But right, right away, you know, within the first five minutes of the game, when Zaha was on that right flank, it terrified me. Him going against Alonso and Cahill, I was just like, this is going to be a disaster. I mean, obviously he he moved around throughout the game, but right away I was like, this is going to be an issue, and it was. Um, you know, those two they they sort of get beat to the touchline at least once or twice every game. Um, you know, I, I know that Conte thinks that Christensen is sort of a replacement for Louise, but you know, I think he's got to he's got to be out there. Whether it's next to Louise, whether it's in place of him, whether it's Louise in midfield, um, I think he has to be out there. And Rudiger, just his athleticism, um, you know, he's good on the ball. I, I just he's got to be out there instead of Cahill if, if that's if that's the choice. I think Cahill is clearly the fifth best center back we have right now. Oh, all right. I mean, look, I I don't really know what the right the right combo is. I think that. Cahill toughed it out yesterday. Um, not not to say that he was great by any means, but he did he did get injured a little bit, um, you know, non contact, and I think was was really just trying to tough it out. And, and and thankfully he did because you know then Victor Moses gets hurt. 
um, you know, which is is horrible, horrible timing for a, a jam packed month of matches. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, I don't know. Like Christensen has not put a foot wrong uh, thus far, and I think he's been really, really good. Um, maybe with our midfield, Dan Louise and midfield is is our are kind of our best hope to kind of solidify things. I think you're forgetting that you know looming in the distance, hopefully ripe for repair and a start soon is is Daniel Drinkwater. How did he pass a medical? <laughs> yeah, really, really good question. Very good and question. That that's the real story of the summer. Um, you know, I, I think that that would be you know even at this point would be a much welcome sight to see him. You know, you don't even see him in the training ground photos, which is really I think even more frightening. And uh, I mean, I just this this is it's a mess. It really is a mess. The fact that you know we we could push Louise forward. Um, you know, I, I was kind of shocked that we didn't put, um, and what we might see, depending upon how severe the Moses situation is, is Aspilicueta move forward, which then, you know, puts Rudiger into the, the back line, which gives us a little bit more of that athleticism, that pace, the, you know, intelligent forward passing that he brings to the, the match. Um, but there's not a, a lot of midfield solutions and David Luis is only temporary and, uh, it's really, uh, yeah, you, you you don't know what it's like to miss N'Golo Conte until he's gone. Well, I think that at least it's a good sign that outside of the wing backs, we have a lot of depth. So I'm happy that at least we have options. But as you move up the field, as we talked about in the midfield, we don't have options. And then if you move even further forward to the attack, we have like less options. We have less options because we play a 3-4-3, which uses wide attackers or essentially quick pacey ones. But if we go to the 3-5-2 like we saw against City and we try to play two non-big strikers up there, like we don't we don't have anything going forward. So for me, it's like Chelsea need attackers really bad right now because last year we could rely on goals from a lot of different people. And I know this is taking stats from an entire season, but in 2016, 2017, we had nine different guys score more than one goal. So the fact that you had Costa on 20, Hazard on 16, Pedro in, on 9, William on 8, even Alonso and Cahill on 6. Like, you're just not getting any of that this year. If if Morata's not in, like, we're, we're relying on a Marcos Alonso free kick, honestly, at this point. So, I guess, to me, my bigger concern is where the goal's going to come from. Because I know, Nick, you said you, you were a little worried about our big game mentality because we didn't score at home against Arsenal and City. Now, we're struggling to get goals, you know, a little bit more regularly. And I wonder if, like, that is going to be our bigger concern in the long run. Well, I have a solution, guys, and uh, I think I think everyone's going to be on board with this. It, it solves two of our two of our squad's problems. Um, so, hear me out. Cahill at striker. Now, th- now think about it. And I'm only being half kidding because of our depth. But Cahill, pretty good striker of the football. Also, not our best defender. So he wouldn't be playing defense. And he'd be playing striker. That way we bring in Rudiger and bada bing, bada boom. Problem solved. You're welcome. Let's move on. Um, I'm only half kidding there. Uh, I really do think that uh, when you look at our attack, it just hasn't been very fluid. Um, the only time this season that we have been fluid 
was uh, the last 15 or so minutes against Stoke when Hazard, Maratta, Fabregas were running roughshod and the entire Atletico Madrid match. Those are the only two times this season that I have been just so amazed at the fluidity of our passing play. And that is not to say that we haven't scored goals or that you know there haven't been individual moments of brilliance. But as a collective, the way that the team played last year, even even when we only got one goal, was a lot more fluid. And we were pulling center backs out. We were making our midfield do all sorts of things. It seems like uh, there's just not as much cohesion this year, Jeff. And and that's just my take on it. But uh, what are your thoughts? I mean, I think if, if we were gonna if if Chelsea gonna keep playing at three five two or go back to that, I think the only two with is Morata and Hazard. I mean, you look any other combination and Chelsea look something less than threatening. Um, you know, if it's if it's Batshuayi and Willian, it's, you know, no one's scared of that. If, if it's Pedro and Willian, no one's scared of that. I mean, it's just, to me, it only works if it's Morata and Hazard or somebody of that caliber, which is anybody else up. Um, you know, Charlie Moussand, everyone wants to see him, but when, when they needed with 15 minutes left and he's sort of the only guy left, that just shows that you know, there needs to be some sort of reinforcement up top just because, you know, Marata's hurt, Hazard, when he's out, there's literally no one left to score. You know, like you said, it's, it's an Alonso free kick. It's it's some sort of random bounce here and there off, off a free kick or something like that. You know, to me, it's got to be a 3-4-3 if one of Marata has a healthy. Um, Dan, so we have the, like, average position and pass chart here in our script. And unfortunately, our midfield is about as high up as our forward line. First of all, Mishi Batshuayi spent more time in midfield than he did leading the line. And Eden Hazard and William are in a straight line above them, but no one's stretching the line. Everyone is literally running horizontal from sideline to sideline with Alonso getting up a little bit. And when you just see the average position of this team, like we are nowhere close to Crystal Palace's box. And I think that just looking at the shape of everything it doesn't it doesn't show me that it's fluid or that we're actually able to like probe and attack a team yeah i think the other alarming thing is so that you know this this passing chart if you visualize it it's a bunch of circles and the more passes that a player has been involved with the larger their circle is and if you squint long enough and look in the general direction of where you think Mishi would be <laughs> and then deviate your gaze further down uh, and then look across the line from Fabregas to Hazard, uh, you could see a little dot where Mishi was and uh, it speaks to um, Mr. Expected 90s performance uh, this uh, this match. It was uh, not, not, not pleasant for him and you could tell that when he got substituted off uh, for Pedro that he was not happy and uh, I think unfortunately as unhappy as he was uh, none of us were happy with the way that he was uh, unable to distribute the ball you know, the difference is, is when Costa would do that previously as you know our star striker there were times where he was in that exact same position but he was also then heavily distributing holding up play allowing Hazard William Pedro whomever it was to get further forward and create positive action um, you know that was a really big problem was that there was no outlet um, Misha was not kind of providing that ball forward to anyone well what okay but and I think this is actually a major question for the whole the whole panel here why can't Mishi start games and lead the line 
like he does when he's a substitute. Like, because even against Atletico Madrid, he was getting into space, causing trouble against one of the world's best defenses. Uh, mind you, got into a really good position for the final goal. Um, if his body's not in position, he doesn't hit it as clean. Uh, he did none of that as a starter against Crystal Fucking Palace, and I can't, I can't wrap my head around it, guys, because the guy clearly has talent. He wouldn't be a striker in the Premier League if he if he wasn't talented. You know, is it is it just you know situational? Is it a mentality thing for him? I I don't know. Um, I. I think part of it was the fact that no, I don't know. I, I was reading another article and it talked about Mishi and it's like, he's got pace. Why don't Chelsea try to play him in behind a little bit more, but we try to play him like a holdup striker, exactly like Morata. But like when you see his positioning today, he had to come back so deep just to get the ball. I don't know. It just, it, it seems like we don't know the best way to play Mishi um, in the lone striker. At the same time, most of his goals, though, have come from him standing, you know, inside the box and having the ball being played at him, and he can hit it one time. So maybe that's another thing: is he's just a, an absolute goal poacher in front of goal, and not really, I don't know, like a combo type of player. Well, to me, I mean, look at a lot of his chances in the last two years. It's been. Like you said, if it's if it falls to his feet in the inside the six box, but it's also, you know, he gets the ball back to goal, fourteen yards away, he turns and shoots, and so we haven't seen him really make the runs in the channels, runs behind the defense, and so, you know, yeah, he's got pace, but, you know, I don't think Chelsea knows, knows, you know, I don't, I don't, he hasn't really used that, so it's for for someone to say that you know he's got pace and so they should use him as a different type of striker, he's never shown that he can be that other type of striker, and so. To me, you know, it, it, the reason for bringing him on or starting him at striker instead of saying, you know, Pedro's going to be a, a false nine or somebody like that is because of his hold-up play. And right now, he's just not bringing that to the table. He's getting bullied off the ball. He's not distributing. He's not turning and facing and, and then going at, at, at goal. To me, there's no reason to have him out there. If, if he's not going to do that, just have Pedro out there who has shown he can make the runs, who can get on the end of, of balls over the top from Fabregas and, and sort of go at him with – with Pedro and Hazard and, I guess, William right now, um, preferably Musando or whenever Murata comes back. But as a false nine, I'd rather, I mean, as a nine, I'd rather have Pedro being a false nine than, than Mishi being a, a typical nine right now. But if, if we're looking at depth, Dan, uh, and, and Mishi is not capable of being a starter, and even when he's been a starter in some of our, you know, cup matches, hasn't really looked the business, how in trouble are we? Because Morata is clearly not fit enough right now, you know, especially with coming off a hamstring, which I cannot believe he's going to be ready for Roma um, if it's truly a hamstring. But maybe I'm wrong. I pray I am. But how in trouble are we? Do you remember when uh, did you ever see the movie Castaway? With Tom Hanks, <laughs> yes. Uh, you, you, we are essentially like uh, Wilson. We are oh, an inanimate no. object. And uh, we have zero ability to impact the uh, result, but we are very clearly aware of the craziness surrounding us. And uh, that is Chelsea striker situation right now uh, in a nutshell. Uh, one lone man um, and without him it is done. I think that, as you say, 
for other people, uh, we're we're up a creek without a paddle. A little bit difficult without without Brandon. Him. Brandon, we are up shit creek without a paddle. Let's let's keep the explicit going. Come on, keep the. If you're gonna get, if you're gonna get the explicit label, you might as well live it up, right? I yeah. keep the E train going on this one. Oh man. <laughs> it. Okay. Yes. Without us, without him at this point, it really seems like it because he seems to do better when the pressure's off him. When he gets put in at the end of the game, and you know things are going well, it's easy to to jump in. But for whatever reason, from the get go, it's it's not clicking. And I don't know how many more games he's going to have to try it out. But if it doesn't change quick, guys, a Chelsea's signing someone in January. It have to. And then B, I don't know if he'll be here next summer. But again, that's farther away. We can we can look at that later. Uh, Dan, what is this ratings table you have going on here? Like, what, what's this about? Well, uh, so it's from uh, eleven ten gen eleven, which is the uh, you know, which sounds like it could be like a, a regen team name in FIFA. Uh, that is not what it is, <laughs> but it's the it's a Twitter account that also has the the passing maps. But uh, they were highlighting the fact that. Um, you know, when uh, the worrisome parts you were saying for Chelsea as a whole right now is that we're scoring uh, more than our expected goal. So and we're also low on our kind of deep passing. So deep passes being kind of anywhere that's uh, like a 15 yards uh, from goal at that point. So it's really kind of highlighting the fact that like versus, you know, City who are scoring for, you know, for shits and giggles right now, uh, Spurs, Liverpool, Man United, Arsenal, all are scoring um, well, well above, and uh, we're we're kind of the next tier below that with Southampton. But it's ideally just pointing out that uh, our expected goal kind of on offense is uh, 1.06 kind of average right now, and uh, that ranks 14th in the Premier League. So we're scoring above the expected goal total right now, and that's not usually sustainable for most teams. So to highlight back to the larger problem, uh, we are a club without a striker. Uh, sorry, minutes for Mishi. Uh, it's hard to say that. Wow. Well, that's uh, minutes for Musamba. You gotta you gotta pick that one up. Oh, there it is. Oh no, uh, that's not. Positive. That's not. Uh, I told so, I was gonna brighten up winter the podcast. signings. That's what I was to do. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's go ahead and kind of wrap this up with uh, Conte's quotes on the so-called depth problems. He says this, quote, I think in this moment for us, it's a very difficult moment. When you start a game without Morata and without Conte, it's not simple. Um, He goes on to say, above all, if during the game, another important player in your team has an injury too, like Victor Moses, I hope to have him back very soon because this moment is very difficult for us to lose three or four players. It's a big problem. But despite this, we have to find the will to fight. I think this season will be very difficult. And for this reason, we have to put 150% in. Well, I think if you're Morata and Conte, you've got a lot of job safety here, Jeff, because you've just been named as the most important players in the squad, essentially. Yeah, and it, it makes sense. You know, there's just there's really nobody to to back them up right now. That's that's shown any you know any sort of potential. Um, you know, hopefully drink water gets healthy and and maybe they sign somebody in January. But right now, it's without those two, we're we're a you know mid table team at best. Look, I think the the lesson and the reason that we got so freaking stressed over 
squad depth in the summer is that we got so lucky without injuries last year. Uh, you know, there were a couple of Knicks there uh, in the midseason. Obviously, David Louise was like the biggest one all year, and he gutted it out. But uh, we didn't have injury problems, and we didn't have this many matches. And when you combine those together, the law of averages says that you're probably coming back down to earth a little bit. And unfortunately for Chelsea, this is kind of – uh, you know, the worst case scenario with the types of players that have been injured between Murata, Hazard not being fit for the beginning of the season, and Golo Conte, who has been Superman for Chelsea, um, Victor Moses, who, you know, I know that, you know, as soon as we signed Zappa Costa, people got off the Victor Moses train, but he's still been one of our more consistent performers. Uh, and then you look at our back line, and, you know, just they're, they're playing up to snuff right now. They're, the law of averages is basically laughing at us right now and, and flipping us the bird. And so, yeah, Antonio Conte has a huge job here, Dan. He has a huge motivational job for those players who he did not name in this statement. Yeah, and uh, a couple of, uh, you know, I, I really think it's a call to, to Hazard. Um, you know, we, yes. you know we, it's this is the type of game that, you know, in, in previous seasons, you know, he would find a way to be the spark, to be the influencer. Um, a call to Cesc Fabregas to get just a, a touch more on target with a couple of those opportunities that actually were very, very close to going in and actually rain shots, which was even more exciting that it wasn't like a cross into the box or a, uh, a chasse um, that turned into a goal. So I, I think it's, to me... Brandon, this is really about Hazard stepping up in this moment to take ownership and make this his squad for the next couple of weeks while we figure figure out a solution. Well, we're going to need him, obviously. I mean, he is our most dynamic and our only game changer. So uh, we're pretty much going to be riding on his back. So uh, with that being said, are there any additional comments or thoughts you guys have of this match before we go to the man of the match poll? Uh, Nick? I or yeah, Sorry. Jeff. Yeah, go for it. I just have, do you guys think this, like this sort of stretch where, you know, Hazard doesn't really he, he didn't really get a lot of support. He's not getting a lot of, you know, score. Do you think this makes him more likely to leave or want to leave? Because that's what scares me. I mean, like it, I thought about it during the City match where he could watch them, you know, interchanging a million shots on goal. They're you know they're scoring goals for fun. And then he sees Chelsea, who who get you know four shots on goal in, in two games or whatever we've had. You know, do you just think that it makes him maybe a little bit more likely to leave? I, I don't think so. I mean, I think it will always come down, you know, first and foremost to for him uh, money and stability. You know, I think he wants to be paid like a top five player in the world, and and definitely in in my mind, if he plays like he did last season and in 2014, deserves that kind of money. Uh, but I think more than that, he's a family man, and if his family is content in London, then he's you know I, I don't think he'll do anything crazy to uproot him. I, I do think that the potential of our attacking trio or or whatever whatever attacking combination exists is like crazy uh, exciting this year. It's just unfortunate that he wasn't ready for the first eight weeks, and then. You know, then Morata gets hurt as soon as they start to finally interchange a couple of passes together, and so I would be frustrated if I was him too. But knowing that, you know, it's it's up to him, Dan, to to really put forth, you know, the effort. I didn't see the effort from him yesterday, personally. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that takes us to our our man in the match poll here, Brandon. But it was it was just not good days for him. And uh, I mean, you're right. Like when we think about a combination involving Hazard Morata and a player on the right who uh, hopefully at some point is not William, um, <laughs> we we can uh-huh. get to a very positive place. He, William was dog shit again yesterday, and I frankly don't understand how he's not starting or how he is starting over Pedro. It blows my mind. So real quick, Jeff, I th- am concerned that Hazard is f- less in like happy with life because, like as players, you always want to play in the best situation, and he can be demotiv- unmotivated yesterday because. It's not going well, and no one else is playing well. So it's like, why? I don't know. I if he looks across and sees City, Real Madrid, whoever you know, teams that are just flying, and of course he's going to think about. I wonder if I could fit into that team or do it there. Because why would you not want to play with a a better squad and have to try not try as hard? Because everyone else around you is pulling way more of their weight than than what's maybe happening at Chelsea right now. But if we can kind of get out of this rut and play to some of the great levels that we have, then I think one good thing is Antonio Conte has freed his art up to go do his thing more than Jose Mourinho did in the last year. And I think that that's a big thing for him as well. Being able to like have a free role and express himself and attack people and not defend as much. I mean, he just came out in an interview and said that. Um, I think that those are kind of the big factors for him. But there's no doubt that he's at least paying attention to what's going on around him. So, Dan, man of the match poll. Yeah, a little uh, man of the match poll here. And, uh, you know, I, was there really a man of the match? Probably not. <laughs> Probably, uh, probably not. However, uh, we, we did have two options in this poll because really there, there was no need for four. Uh, with 58% of the vote, it was uh, Fabregas. Uh, 42% selected uh, up arrow emoji, your only choice. Yeah, I, I must say here, uh, Dan, that you're, you're, learning, you're learning the ways of the man of the match poll. Um, and uh, it's, it's not always great to hear some of the feedback, huh? Oh, I mean, there were, there were a couple of shouts for Bakayoko, but, uh, you know, just like uh, he, you know, kind of gave away the ball. I kind of gave away that choice in the poll. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I thought one or two shouts for uh, for, for Gary Cahill, but uh, much like he dove to stop a ball with his head, um, I uh, dove past <laughs> that option. Oh. And uh, probably the best shout, though, was our, our boy uh, Dane, who decided that uh, the supporters who definitely were and always uh, make a way through every 90 minutes, even if it's uh, quite dreadful, uh, deserved a shout. So I will take that as probably yeah. been the best option that was not included in the initial. Totally agree with the supporters, Dane. Um, I, you know, especially on TV, which is the benefit that we have. Uh, they were they were competing noise-wise with the... Uh, historically rambunctious palace supporters so uh, i think well done to the uh, to the away fans there all right well as it stands chelsea are <clears throat> in fifth behind watford who we play next so that'll be a big matchup uh city just crushing life right now oh. on top with 22 points uh united slipping to 20 points 
Tottenham in third on 17, Watford fourth in 15. And uh, we are now tied on points with Arsenal. We're in fifth. They are in sixth. Our plus five goal difference is just beating their plus two. So uh, Liverpool are the other big top six team that have slid down to eighth. Uh, But with that being said, it could be worse. You could be Everton. Yikes. Yeah, they're not very good. They are in 16th after spending quite a bit of money but with that being said uh that'll wrap up our match review a little bit longer but hey what did you expect after a result like that you know what i'm saying so uh real quick we just want to give a quick shout out follow world soccer shop on social media i know you guys hear it a lot uh, but just as like a general general football fan they do a lot of really cool lifestyle shoots and and kind of like content as well so i know dan personally um even if they weren't our sponsor, like I was following them and I think that they're taking a a pretty cool take on kind of how you can actually wear the gear and stuff like on the street in real life because most of us aren't professional footballers. Well, and they were definitely showing off how to uh, wear uh, U.S. men's and women's national team items. Um, Very excited for the women's team. Uh, Probably will not be wearing uh, the men's team stuff in the very near future. Uh, but I think I'll need to find uh, some jersey to wear uh, as I root for a team to be determined in the World Cup next year. I- Iceland has my uh, Iceland has my vote, so I'm I'm really excited to grab an Iceland jersey. Um, at the end of the day, guys, go follow them on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, World Soccer Shop, and uh, and we're gonna keep saying it until you do it. So I mean, do it. All right, well, we had so many social media questions as usual, uh, but we really had to condense them down this week. So again, if you didn't get on, I apologize. Keep them coming, though. Um, we we definitely at least read them all, and sometimes we even just respond one-off. So uh, real quick, uh, Reese Jones 83 on Instagram says, what's the reality? Did we overachieve last season, or are we underachieving this season? Uh, Nick, the powder keg, I'm going to go ahead and lob this one over to you. Both things are probably true. <laughs> I, got, I gotta be. I think. Um, I think there is a, a bunch of truth that we overachieved last season, um, and I think that there is a bunch of truth that thus far in the Premier League, uh, we've lost to Burnley and we've lost uh, to Crystal Palace, which would be massively underachieving expectations. Um, so I, I don't really know what to say except that we have more matches this year but we knew we were going to have more matches uh since the end of last season when we won the when we won the league and uh qualified for the champions league so uh antonio conte has no excuses right now i think he just needs to get it going i feel like we definitely are um catching up from all that injury free karma we had all last season Um, at Aerith Muggle, Shane on Twitter asks, can we blame the medical staff for three starters having hamstring problems with Moses, Murata, and Conte? And what did you drink tonight? Tonight being Saturday night or maybe Saturday during the game. So Dan, what do you think about this medical staff thing? Because for the most part, we've always praised them for keeping Chelsea players in really good shape. Uh, I think maybe that's a TBD until we find out exactly what the heck happened to, to drink water. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and dan dan what did you drink because i had bourbon and it was uh, delightful as always 
I didn't have anything to drink yesterday, really, but I, I did go to brunch today, and uh, I did have Bloody Mary, and uh, they uh, they use sake instead of uh, vodka, Whoa. and that was um that was pretty delicious. Huh, Jeff, what about you? Um, I didn't have it. I mean, I I only drank water, you know, no pun intended. But I would have if I was alcohol, it would have been <laughs> it would have been vodka soda slash or pineapple that's my that's my go-to but i am a mimosa guy as opposed to a bloody mary guy if we're talking brunch drinks yeah i'm same on that well we could split 50 50 on that because i would definitely lean bloody mary so um way to go brandon all right jeff going to you on this one from uh, i think and i think it's sasha on facebook you're gonna have to message me correct me uh, he says should we look to sign zaha in january transfer window it's twice that he scored against us he's just come back from injury but looked extremely lively he can dribble has good pace and can score goals you know what do you think about this because we've signed players that have done really well against us before and they don't always live up i feel like yeah, I mean it's it's easy, you know, a guy plays well against us and then we sign him. I think Mo Salah that, that didn't exactly work out for us. Um, you know, I, he would be he would certainly you know be a guy to sign, but preferably if we're going to sign an attacker, I would sign an out and out striker. Um, you know, we were linked to to Bilotti and, and a lot of other guys in the summer. I'd rather sign one of them um, as opposed to Zaha. I mean, I, I you know as much as you know, I don't know if if Musanda is the answer as a winger. I, I think that give him a chance as opposed to signing somebody like Zaha. Um, I still think Pedro's fine and, and Lillian maybe should drop in a peck more a little bit. But um, if, if we're going to sign a, a winger, I would, you know, hopefully make it some sort of world-class caliber player. I don't know if Zaha is that much of an upgrade on anybody. I mean, he would fit the system for sure, but you're right. I, I think it, a little bit left to, to be seen. Uh, Nick at LWOS Chelsea on Twitter says, meritocracy what meritocracy william plays christensen <laughs> dropped rudiger dropped performances mean nothing clearly so this is a clear shot at me uh, <laughs> for saying that that antonio conte's system is a meritocracy uh well done sir uh i have no idea to be honest with you um We've said for weeks on this show that William has left a lot to be desired. Uh, we've also said that Christensen has looked uh, at the level expected uh, for the Premier League, and and I think that Rudiger had you know a below average performance uh, last time out, but um, still has has played better than Cahill on the whole this year. So I really don't know. Um, I, I would hope. Um, you know, some combination of Pedro coming in for William, uh, Christensen and Rudiger in and David Luiz in midfield would happen um, against uh, against Roma. But uh, we'll see. Um, I, I clearly I think there's a clear divide right now in, in the level that William's playing and the level that like even Musanda when he came on played Dan. And that's just that's my perspective. Yeah, I, I mean, this, you know, gosh, it's just, uh, it's a really odd place to be in. And I think ultimately, I just would hope that we do start to see a, a little change in the the lineup from a selection standpoint. But it also is feeling like if Cahill's healthy, he's finding his way into the lineup. If Lynn is healthy, he's finding his way into the lineup. And that is... Uh, just troubling in a sense that you know we're uh, if you look at the lineup and you look at the 11 selected and you feel like we're starting uh, on the back heel versus 
going full foot ahead and that that's just a little odd especially after looking at last season and feeling so good about the lineup and the copy and pacing moment and that copy and pacing was because it was the the best set of options we had and it just it just makes you wonder what what is the disconnect between what we don't see that happens on the training ground and how does that make it into the 11 that gets selected for the game when we've seen performances that would tell us that maybe the best 11 is not the one that's being selected right now. Well, we had another tweet from at Crump Corner, Bla- Crump Corner Back saying, last match we lost, but we didn't lose our poop emoji. I'm starting to lose my poop emoji. Is this reasonable? I know Conte and Murata are out, but seriously. So Jeff, obviously after City, you know, we're saying, look, City are a really good team. You can't lose your shit yet. But we're starting to see an unhealthy trend. This is the first time I'm pretty sure that Antonio Conte has lost back-to-back games at Chelsea, albeit He's only been here under a season and a half. But still, um, I guess as a fan, where are you on the scale of not losing your shit to losing your shit? Uh, I'm starting to lose it. I mean, like you said, I mean, the City game we looked awful. But, you know, it was 1-0, you know, and, and this is a, against a team that's scoring, you know, five goals every game pretty much. And, you know, say so a little bit of a hangover from the Atletico game, it's fine. And then the Palace game comes and you expect to win it four nothing five one something like that didn't come close to happening and so now you look at back in the past month of of matches and it, it was you know no goals against arsenal no goals against city losing to palace and the only bright spot was the athletic game and so now it's 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 becoming just increasingly worrisome just the trend that that chelsea seems to be going on you take away the one-off games against uh you know atleti and, and tottenham earlier in the season and it's just been a a relatively poor couple of months okay i want to get everyone so dan where are you at on the scale man uh is is it a numerical scale like is it the number of poop emojis that i want to throw out Uh, i'm I'm gonna say three on the the scale of five again you gotta give me reference is is one not losing three completely (laughs) losing uh, I mean, three three is in the middle, you know. Uh, there's definitely a, a little uh, poop emoji kind of starting to to peek out, but it's uh, it, it's not blo- it's not blown away. <laughs> so you're so you're you're prairie dogging it right now. Is that what you're saying? I'm sorry, I asked. <laughs> yeah, uh, I am. I, I'm I'm in the middle right now. I, I'm very concerned. I also think that if this team is healthy, they can compete with anybody um and and that is that's anybody um real madrid have even looked shit this year so like uh, you know in in the spectrum of world football that's just kind of where we're at but if this team stays hurt like this all year i mean we're gonna struggle for top four and and that will be a hard battle i mean it won't be against watford um but you could start to see the table kind of shifting out into the natural order of things and you know we, we have a fight in our hands all right. Well, last one comes from at Chelsea twenty two one six zero nine saying, "Do you think Antonio Conte will opt to play David Luiz in the midfield against Roma if we don't have N'Golo Conte, and will he give Christensen the start?" Dan, where do you at on that? Oh God. Um, yeah, I, I would like to uh, to see Christensen start. I mean, I think the thing is, so we don't know if Moses is available. Um, 
And I think that's going to dictate a lot about what actually ends up happening. I'd assume he won't be, but Nick, do you think there's any chance that Louise would move into the midfield after uh, this, well, kind of low-end display against Crystal Palace? I really do. I mean, I think it's it's our only shot um, to, to kind of own the midfield because... You know, I, I think Sesk actually played okay against Palace. Um, Bakayoko was, you know, pretty good, but you know, not not overwhelming by any means. Um, and I think David Luiz uh, would would do a job there. Now, what that essentially tells you is that none of those winger types would be uh, kind of in contention unless Pedro and Hazard were kind of up top in a two, which you know you could see that going sideways pretty quick as well so there there are a lot of very interesting decisions to make um but if it were if it were up to me i would play the the three of bakioko louise and ses fabregas got it and jeff it sounded like you were pro david louise midfielder in a pinch yeah i think so i think christian should chris christensen should be in there and then yeah i think we should move up to midfield to get a little more Solidity to the midfield. Bakayoko, you know, it seemed like he had a little bit too much on his plate against Palace. Um, and it would just help. I mean, it seems that the Chelsea's best chances are coming from balls over the top from Fabregas. And so now you give the ability to Fabregas and Luis to both play those balls. And, um, you know, I, I just think it, it might give a little bit more attacking impetus to, to the striker setup. Well, and I might, you know, the last time that we had the midfield trio, you know, Fabregas was playing a deeper role, more like Pirlo, Pirlo-esque. I might switch that up this time, have David Luiz sit all the way back and then really push Fabregas and uh, and Bakayoko up because I feel like, you know, if we're only going to play with two up top, Fabregas is going to need to be close to that situation to, you know, play through balls. And that would be my kind of little tweak to this one. No, I think, yeah, I think that's a good call. So um, just real quick before we get into the Roma match, I mean, it's a simple thing, Dan, right? November 1st is the cutoff for the for the uh, December trip. Yeah, so we are heading to London, uh, surprise. And hey, by the time we make it there, Alvaro Morata and N'Golo Conte will be back from injury, which is going to mean that the product <laughs> of the field is going to be stellar. And why wouldn't you want to come with us, uh, with the 11 people that are already signed up to join us as part of the XL Tours trip that we're doing, and do a live show, see Newcastle at home, you know, get, get to watch Chelsea play against Rafa, which will be hilarious, get an opportunity to watch us play against Atletico Madrid at home in a Champions League evening in the middle of the action, uh, you can find all the details at London's Blue Podcast forward slash London Trip, and uh, definitely, you know, we'd love to see you there and love to have you come along with us. Yeah, I think it's going to be amazing. Like, obviously, not the not the best time to be overly optimistic about the squad right now, but uh, certainly cannot wait to see a Champions League match. Brandon, it is going to be electric. It is uh, without a doubt. So, speaking of Champions League matches. Uh, Roma is up next. Thankfully, we'll be at home at Stanford Bridge, and it's uh, coming up on October uh, 18th, I believe. Um, 17th. Oh, it's the 17th. So we play on Tuesday. Oh, oh no, it is. Wait. 
Yeah, you're right. Never mind. My fault. All right. It is the Wednesday. So let's dance with it a little bit. <laughs> Sophia Lundgren on Instagram asks, how should we line up against Roma when both Mishi and William are in such terrible form? Maybe Hazard, Pedro, Musanda? I'm really concerned about our offensive options at the moment. Well, Sophia, uh, I am too. And I know we talked about the midfield and the defense a little bit, um, but we're going to have to shift it up. And Nick, you talked about it. Are we 3-5-2? Are we 3-4-3? Where does it kind of go? Um, I'm not sure because Roma just um, just played Napoli uh, this past weekend. They they lost, but they're playing a 4-2-3-1. So if anything, maybe it'll be good to pay attention that Roma will probably have five in the middle at least. So Dan, attacking option-wise, I mean, I'm leaning towards Hazard and Batshuayi just because it's the most kind of natural lineup that we have with the 3-5-2, but what do you think? Ugh, man, this is... Uh... This is not. Well, I, I think. I think it's going to be some combination of like William Pedro and Hazard up front. Well, I, I the, don't. I don't question, think Mishi is going to be the, the the starting striker. The the question is really going to be if Morata is healthy or not. I I cannot believe for the life of me that if he had a grade two hamstring, that he's going to be able to miraculously come back for this stand. Like that would be the only other wild card, right? Yeah, I mean, I think if Morata's healthy and available, he is the immediate first choice on the team sheet. But I also don't, you know, think that you could potentially see if he is healthy, maybe he comes in for a little bit just to match fitness up before uh, a match in the weekend. Hmm. Um, so, Jeff, obviously, Roma have some great players. So they've got uh, Ed Dzeko, who has been flying the last two years. Uh, Nangolin running the show in the middle. Florenzi out wide. Uh, Rossi in the middle. Um, Manolas, who we'd actually been linked to in the past as a center back. They do have Kolarov, who we know quite a bit about. Um, but I mean, it, you know, Roma, they're no slouch, even though they only beat Karabag 2-1. to one. Yeah, I mean, Dzeko has been just unbelievable. And you mentioned earlier in the podcast about how Chelsea are, are sort of revolved around only Morata scoring goals. Dzeko has been sort of their only main goal scorer this season. Um, and so he, that's the one of the few danger men that I think Chelsea have to keep an eye on. I, I do think they have a couple of injuries uh, along their back line, which, you know, could be a, of benefit to Chelsea, especially given our, our scoring woes. So I think... You know they're coming off a loss. Obviously, they they played a a, a good team. Um, so that that should, you know, maybe maybe they come in a little hungrier, which should be something to look for. But I think that the the key is just going to be you know whether Chelsea can can get some sort of attacking threat any any differently than they've got in the past few matches, Premier League matches at least. Um, if they can, then you know I think they should be able to get three points out of this. Yeah, I would I would quickly say too. I think um, Patrick Schick, um, a, a really nice forward, young forward um, on loan from Sampdoria, uh, and Daniela De Rossi, still their captain. Um, you know, a really great player. Um, you know, I think I think they are uh, they're an interesting squad. You know, I wouldn't put them as you know all world class or, or even really having a chance to go deep into the Champions League, but. Dan, I think they're going to be a really, really tough contest for us. Like this could be, you know, a, a last minute equalizer, a last minute winner from either side. Yeah, I mean, I will say they did did struggle to beat Carabag, um, and that was away. So, I mean, that that does add a little bit of a filter to it. But yeah, I mean, I'm 
I'm sort of confident in a weird way because just for some reason Chelsea is seeming to be really up for the Champions League nights this season, and maybe it's because of the absence of it last season uh, made made the heart grow fonder. But if you can knock in your third win, have a win against each one of your competitors, uh, placing you very firmly in the driver's seat, uh, that would be a much, much, much needed bit of positivity, especially after this past weekend. So some of Roma's team characteristics are um, they're really good at attacking down the wings. So, you know, our wingbacks will be important this match. Uh, they create a lot of long shot opportunities, I think, with Courtois. That is fine with us. Um, and they like to essentially play through balls in behind the team. Uh, so we'll kind of see how that goes. They like to play down the left side specifically. So, you know, that's going to be important without Moses. It's probably going to be Zappacosta. Do they move SP Lequeta up? Uh, but that'll be an area of focus for them. And then they're not a very aggressive team. And they're not very good at defending the counterattacks because they like to play a high line at the offside trap. So again, maybe Mishi doesn't fit that system and we just try to free up Fabregas to ping in balls over the top to players like William Hazard and Pedro running in. So... I don't know. It, it, it'll at least be interesting just because of Chelsea's kind of form right now is so up in the air uh, that it, I don't know. It's it, we, We're going to need to see it on the field before the rest of us, I think, are preaching, oh yeah, Chelsea will win this for sure. Um, but with that being said, I guess any other uh, thoughts on this one before we go ahead and wrap up this episode, Nick? Um, no. Uh, you just hope to see... You know, a, a big response. Um, you know, I think Antonio Conte has a lot of thinking to do, a lot of work to do in the training ground, uh, specifically with finishing. Um, and you hope to see players who might not have been included at the weekend, who should have been, um, you know, really come in and take their chance. And uh, that is inclusive of even uh, Charlie Musanda or uh, any of the defenders that we've mentioned. You know, I think there's. Uh, you know, this is a team that competition should be, you know, raising everyone's game. Um, and so we hope hope to see that because it's been um, not a great couple of weeks. All right. What about you, Dan? I, I mean, I feel generally positive about this match again. Uh, but uh, I think the only other thing that I would say is uh, Forza Chelsea, Forza Conte, and uh, let's go take three points. Nice. I like it. And then Jeff, with you? Yeah, I, mean, I just I just hope that that Conte sort of you know chews into them on the training ground this week and and we see uh, you know maybe not 14 or whatever wins in a row from last year, but at least some sort of uptick in form. But at the same time, I mean, I, no matter how well we played this year, I don't know if anybody's going to catch City or would have caught City. I think that they're on another level. So I'm just I'm a little bit opt- I'm I'm trying to be optimistic and say all right, top four and a deep run in Champions League, and I'll be very happy. No, I think that's fair for sure. So, uh, again, Chelsea fans, everyone out there, thank you so much for listening. Uh, We hope you enjoyed it, as always, and uh, really, really hoping for Chelsea to turn the corner onto brighter and better things. So with that being said, Chelsea fans, until next time, keep the blue flag flying high. If you don't want the conversation to stop, make sure to follow the London is Blue podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you want to support the pod, you can leave a five-star review in iTunes or donate on Patreon.com. The London is Blue podcast, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com.